Welcome to another episode of Loremaker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Adam Weiser, associate writer here at CIG Los Angeles. And for those who haven't seen the show, uh, this is a chance for a member of the Lore team to sit down, uh, give you a personal tour of one of the many systems that you'll be seeing in Star Citizen or possibly Squadron 42. Uh, yeah, we can give you a little history and science and maybe a little insight into what we put into to making the system uh, come to life. Now, uh, this week we're going to focus on a system you are probably familiar with already uh, because of the CitizenCon Homestead demo, or if you read the uh, latest issue of uh, Jump Point, uh, which was for October of uh, 2016. Uh, and that system is one which, when first discovered, uh, showed a lot of promise and uh, then, due to circumstances, uh, ended up uh, being have, having a history that no one really quite expected. So, uh, as you see, I just typed in, we are going to Lear today. So here we go, we'll bring this up. And the first thing you're going to notice as we cross the galaxy to get there is that we come right in on the star of the system, which is an A5 main sequence star that's uh, blue and white in color. It's about 1.8 times bigger than the sun at the center of the Sol system, and it's about 10 times brighter. Um, now, that which comes with that is a pretty expansive green zone, which incorporates all three of the planets in the system. So when first discovered, three planets within a green zone, all three of them displaying uh, lots of potential for, for, for mining, lots of minerals and ores, uh, people got very excited about this system. Now, you'll also notice there's a bunch of jump points uh, here in this system. We're going to back out for a second and show you that there are, there are six altogether. Uh, so lots of jump points, lots of ways to get to it, lots of minerals, three planets in the green zone. What happened? Why is this uh, system still, uh, it's under, you know, um, under, you know no, uh, humanity didn't, didn't quite declare it, bring it into the fold. Uh, you'll see here, it's got uh, three jump points that uh, are connected to it. We've got one which goes into Banu, uh, Vandul space, which is really interesting, one into uh, the UE and the other into a developing system. We've got two medium jump points, and the interesting one here is that it connects to Yolen up in Banu space. So it has a connection to uh, UE space, Vandul space, and Banu space, which is pretty crazy. And it has one big jump point um, which goes into Banshee. And Banshee is where uh, Lear was discovered from in 2677. Members of an ICC scan team were in Banshee, found the largest jump point, came on through, and uh, took the scans to realize what uh, potential this system had. Um, unfortunately, at the time, uh, Ileana Messer VI was the Imperator of the UEE, and five years prior to that, she had orchestrated the assassination of her father to grip the reins of power. Uh, at this point, she wasn't quite ready to give, uh, you know, start expanding the Empire when she still wanted to make sure that she could keep control of what she had, so she decided not to send the UEE and uh, uh, kind of really establish any kind of operation there. So the system languished, it didn't receive a lot of the basic uh, infrastructure that a lot of other systems would receive at the time. Now, that didn't mean humanity stayed away from it. A lot of uh, miners, greedy miners, and shiftless drifters uh, kind of came into the system and made the best out of it. There was one settlement, only one, that really kind of made a name for itself, and that was on the second planet here. 
and that name was Lear. It was the one place that was kind of consistently inhabited for, for a few decades uh, after the system was discovered. And eventually the system just took the name Lear from the, uh, the settlement that was, uh, that was first established here. Now in 24, uh, 2743, uh, Galar Messer IX uh, was in power, and he was obsessed with uh, reforming all the government buildings in the UEE to fit a meta-baroque architectural style that he was in love with. This was a very expensive project, and to help fund that, what he decided to do was go to this unclaimed system and basically sell the, the terraforming rights to the system's crown jewel, which is right here, Maya. So he put these up for on the auction block and received a bid that was so astronomical, people at first thought it was maybe a mistake. Turns out it wasn't. It was a bid from a brand new company called Hatfield and Harding that had never done anything like this before. Now, Clarence Hatfield was a eccentric trillionaire from Coral, and Olive Harding was a self-made mining baron. And together, they saw the potential and the resources in the system and wanted to make sure that they established a foothold there. And the way they did that is to outbid everyone for the terraforming rights. Now, they knew nothing about terraforming, but they had the credits to go out and find someone who did. And they eventually, they settled on someone by the name of Dr. Fayel, who was working at the uh, UPARC uh, Government Secret Research Laboratory in Redder. Uh, he came on over, and he basically started to uh, terraform this planet, and was given a lot of leeway by Hatfield and Harding to kind of do what he needed to do uh, as quickly as he needed to do it to make sure that they could turn a profit on this planet as quick as possible. Now, what Hatfield and Harding didn't realize by not kind of overlooking what he was doing was that Dr. File had some intentions of his own. Within uh, setting up the first operation, terraforming uh, dome on the actual planet, he set it up over the largest um, kind of like uh, reserve of minerals uh, and ores on the planet and started a secret mining operation, which uh, he basically used to fatten his pockets and basically uh, enrich the people that were helping run that. Somewhere amidst all the stress of trying to run this terraforming operation and hide this illegal mining operation from uh, Hatfield and Harding, uh, Dr. File had a, a psychological break. No one, no one quite knows what happened or how it happened, but communications with the company grew sparse uh, and stranger. And uh, they didn't quite care because he was keeping on his timetables. In fact, in 2803, they actually awarded him the Employee of the Year, and instead of leaving the planet he was working on to go accept the award, he sent a video, which in retrospect people found very weird. He kept um, referring to the purity of purpose, uh, and he talked about how while working there, he had a realization that uh, pierced his skull like a nail of lightning. So there were all these, these things that hinted that something wasn't quite right there, but uh, reports are that the board members were so intent on getting drunk at this uh, Employee of the Year ceremony, none of them really took the time to listen to what he was saying. This all came to a head uh, on May 3rd in 2812 when the terraforming, terraforming was complete of Lear 2. And what happened is all of a sudden Hatfield and Harding lost all communication with the planet. They didn't know what happened until all of a sudden a video showed up or a vid showed up in their inbox uh, that was a message from Dr. Fayel basically saying that he had finished purifying this planet 
and it was now under his control. He would not be giving it up that the hubris of humanity, that everything, all that everything that they had done to it uh, was not going to be allowed onto it. And him and all of his followers, the people that were there to terraform him, would fight to the death to ensure that humanity wouldn't scar this planet that, that they had made pure. Now, at first, Hatfield and Harding were furious and didn't quite believe that uh, uh, Dr. Fael had truly uh, been somehow able to convince all these terraforming workers that uh, to stand with him to protect this planet. So they hired a bunch of mercenaries to go in and take the planet back. The mercenaries arrived, they landed in the main population center, got out of their ships to realize no one was quite there. And as they kind of spread out to see what was going on, they were quickly ambushed on all sides. Uh, many believe now that that even though um, Dr. File did not want any outside influence coming into his planet, they decided to do the ambush in this way to secure the ships of the mercenaries, which still patrol around the planet today to try to keep uh, unwanted guests from, uh, from getting too close to it. So after this had happened, uh, the UEE obviously found out. Uh, Hatfield and Hardy had tried to keep it quiet, but the, it was, it, they weren't able to do it at this point. The, the company went before the Senate and ended up um, losing all investor confidence and folding not long thereafter. Now this was 2812, only 20 years after the UEE had finally kicked the Messers out. Since this was an unclaimed system, the UEE technically didn't have jurisdiction, and there was really no political appetite to go in and try to take the planet for themselves, especially since all the blood that was on the hands of the UEE following the Messerine, the last thing they wanted to do was have another bloody revolt to deal with or have to, to deal with. So they decided just to let the planet be, and that they did. To this day, the descendants of Dr. Fayel and those original terraforming workers still control Lear 2, which they call Maya. Um, they are known to everyone else as the outsiders. Uh, the planet itself is gorgeous. It's a rocky terrestrial planet uh, that is now terraformed. It has stunning, beautiful mountain ranges. Um, and you can go there. You can go check it out. They will sell stuff to you, but they have no interest and have no interest in buying anything that's not of this planet, which makes for a very interesting visit for people that are first there because a lot of the architecture looks the same. There's no outside resources brought in. So a lot of stuff is made from the same sort of ores and minerals and rocks or even just cut directly into mountainsides uh, to, uh, to save on having to bring stuff in. That is the, the second planet of the system. It's the only one that is, that is truly fully uh, populated in, in uh, Lear. Now if we back out, we've got Lear 1, which is right here, which is also a terrestrial rocky planet. It, it is habitable, uh, so there are scattered encampments that are there of miners that are, that are pulling out the resources. Uh, you can go and they will trade uh, with you more fully. Again, not a lot of people have really set up operations there because as the UEE really hasn't invested much in the infrastructure of the system, the, it's not really easy to, uh, to get lots of stuff in and out of there. And finally, we have out here uh, Lear 3, which you will be familiar with from the Homestead demo. Now this is a planet that uh, um, is famous for the giant uh, worms that, uh, that occupy it, uh, known as the Valakar. Uh, they have a, a tendency to disrupt and destroy any settlements that are there, just with the way they, they churn through the, through the earth underneath them, through the land underneath them. So only those who only live there live in temporary settlements and have gotten used to moving frequently to avoid their wrath. 
Um, it also contains a lot of graphite and crystals, so there is some good mining there if it wasn't for the dangers that uh, accompany it with uh, having the giant Valakar uh, disturbing the settlements. So there you go. This is the uh, Lear system, uh, an unclaimed system with three planets. Um, very interesting due to the history, and uh, once again, one of the more interesting uh, cultures that you will be seeing in, uh, in the Star Citizen game. So thank you for watching. Uh, tune in again. We'll see you in the next episode of Loremakers. Take care. Thank you for watching. So if you want to keep up with the latest and greatest in Star Citizen and Squadron 42's development, please follow us on our social media channels. See you soon.